Well, hey, we start a new series today, and so grab your Bible. If you don't own one, there's a paperback Bible in the pew back in front of you. That's our gift to you. And it's very sad to say to not to turn to Ecclesiastes, right? We were in that. I think babies were born during Ecclesiastes, okay? But turn to the book of Psalms, um, Psalm chapter 120, and give your attention to the reading of God's Word today. Good morning. Like Jason said, it's Psalm 120. When you guys get there, say it's all about Jesus. Upon the conclusion of the reading of the text, I'll say this is the word of the Lord, and you guys can respond with, thanks be to God. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you, and what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. Woe to me that I sojourn in Meshach, that I shall dwell upon among the, twi- <laughs> the tents of Kedar. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. This is the word of the Lord. We are glad that you're here as we are starting a new series called Summer Playlist with the tagline Psalms of Ascent. And so at Westside, we primarily teach through books of the Bible and bounce back and forth. And we'll do some topical stuff here and there, but uh, we believe God wrote a book. Amen? Oh, you're the 11. You're supposed to have already had your coffee. Okay, all right. I'll go an hour in this joint. All right, just keep talking to me today. But hey, we love the Bible. And so maybe to set this up a little bit, this will be helpful. Um, we're, we're calling this Summer Playlist. And I I grew up the youngest of four boys, and so my dad was a pastor uh, for a large portion of my life, but he was also um, known as an evangelist. And sometimes, you know, maybe you didn't grow up in church, that's totally okay, and sometimes there's weird words. You're like, evangelist? Does that mean the guy on TV asking for my money? Like, oh, okay. Um, Basically what that was, was my dad traveled around anybody who called, man. We went all across America, from Pennsylvania to cut off Louisiana, there's really a place called Cut Off Louisiana, right, where bodies just disappear, okay? Um, <laughs> and so we went all across the place, and it, my summers primarily were spent traveling all across the country. And we traveled in the beautiful gold tan Astro van. And so this is a picture of what that looked like. I had my mom send me some pictures this week, and I totally think she was taking a picture of the flag. Um, and she was like, this has the van in it, and so she sent that. So, but man, I would spend my summers in the back seat of that van traveling all across the country. And primarily me and my brother Joe. And so this is an embarrassing picture of me growing up as a kid with my watermelon head. Yeah, and then that's my brother Joe. And apparently I look like a vampire in that picture, so I don't know. Um, yeah, so there's hope, kids and adolescents. You do grow out of that phase, okay? But so we would spend summers in the backseat of this van, traveling all across the country, man. Got to go to Colorado all over. Then the summer happened when my brother Joe got too cool to go with us anymore, right? He was older. He's going to play baseball. He's doing all of this stuff. And so I got to go myself. And that summer, my dad had a lot of churches in Arizona where he was preaching. And so I got to go to Tombstone, got to see the OK Corral. Um, which is not that cool, <laughs> to be honest with you. It's like a wood picket fence and some sand, and that's about it, okay? So we got to see all of these places, but every summer, if you know anything about my dad, he would introduce us to some music, and music primarily that he grew up with. And when we were traveling through Arizona, there was one album, and one album only that we listened to, 
and it was the greatest hits of the Eagles. So um, you can check out any time you like, but you can never leave, okay? And, and so we're driving through, and, and Arizona looks like that, man. Like there are parts in Arizona where there's no speed limit. It just says drive with caution, right? And so we're driving, and it was incredible. And in taking it easy, standing on a corner in Winslow, Arizona. I was on a corner in Winslow, Arizona. Like it was awesome. So anytime I hear any Eagle song or anything like that, I, I just think of that time in my life because that album was just a soundtrack of my life. And, and, and many of you guys are the same, right? When you hear that Poison song and you go, right? when you hear that song, you go right back to that awkward junior high dance or you just, because, you know, music is like soundtracks for our lives. I mean, I mean, it brings back emotions. Sometimes it puts into words emotions that, that we couldn't even articulate. And when we turn to the book of Psalms, the Bible's a big book. It's actually 66 books. It's a library that you hold in your hand. 66 books, 40 different authors, three different continents, three different languages, one hero, Jesus. And there's different genres in the Bible. We just talked through Ecclesiastes, which was like wisdom literature. It's like going to a philosophy class, right? The book of Psalms, Psalms are songs, that the people of Israel sang. And it was literally the soundtrack for the people of Israel as they were wandering through this world as being God's people. There's songs of, of anger. There's songs of lament. There's joyful songs. It's all of these emotions. But when we get to Psalm 120 to 134, there's a little heading in your Bible of Psalm 120. It says... The first song in the Psalm of Ascent. Now, when God told Moses that, hey, when you guys become fruitful and multiply, and when you spread out over the promised land, I still want you to make certain journeys in the year. And I want you to come to, to Jerusalem is what it would end up being and offer these sacrifices. And in the book of Deuteronomy, God says this, three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose, at the feast of unleavened bread, at the feast of weeks, and at the feast of booths. They shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. So any time this journey was to be made in that season of life, they press play on the soundtrack, and they would play and sing these psalms. History records that there were 15 steps that led up to the temple, and that the Jewish people in Hebrew would sing these psalms. Now, here's what's really cool. We know from history, Jesus growing up would have made this journey. Jesus not only would have made this journey, Jesus would have sung these very words. In Luke chapter 2, when Jesus is going to the temple with his family, and it's like the first ever home alone scene, they actually lose him in the temple, right? I mean, you're going to stand before God for a lot of things in life, okay? But you're never going to say, I lost Jesus, right, on a road trip one day, okay? But it says this in Luke 2. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom. Now we're going to learn in just a minute why the word up is in there and why it's called ascent, to ascend up. But then in Mark's gospel, there's this 
this haunting line that he puts in Mark chapter 14. After the Last Supper, moments. Jesus is going to be arrested in moments. He's going to suffer. He's going to die the most agonizing death anyone could ever die. And in Mark 14, Mark says, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Most scholars all agree Jesus would have sung one of these 15 songs. Think about that. A man literally on death row, marching, is singing these psalms. So, if it's important for Jesus, probably a pretty big deal for us, right? But not just that. When you think about the physical journey that the people of Israel would take in this pilgrimage is really what it was. They were, they were like strangers in the land. I mean, they were the people of God, but they were living here on earth. Sounds a lot like us, right? The Apostle Paul says in the book of Philippians, but our citizenship is in heaven. From it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, if our citizenship is in heaven, and we are citizens of heaven, but we live here in a foreign land, that this ultimately is not our citizenship, then that makes us... Do you feel the tension? You hate to say it. You don't even want to say it right now, right? Exiles. Pilgrims. Sojourners. That's why Peter, when he writes to the Christians, he says these words, Beloved, I urge you, as sojourners and exiles. Now, let me wrap this up for us. As we see the people of Israel make this pilgrimage to meet with God, and we lay the New Testament in our lives on top of that, we realize something. The physical, actual journey in the Psalm of Ascents is a picture of our spiritual journey with Jesus. For this journey in this world is long, and it's hard, and it's difficult. And it's lonely, and it's filled with joy, it's filled with ups, and it's filled with downs. And so these psalms are going to be our guide for us in life. Eugene Peterson, in his book, A Long Obedience for this, in the Same Direction, which I highly recommend, put it on your summer reading list, it will be very supplemental to this series, says these words, The ascent was not only literal, it was also a metaphor. The trip to Jerusalem acted out a life Upward toward God. An existence that advanced from one level to another in developing maturity. It's what Paul described as the goal. Where God is beckoning us upward to Jesus. Here's what's cool about us in this series. Many of us are in different stages of the journey. Some of you are just starting your relationship with Jesus and you're like... Oh, man, is this what I signed up for, right? Some of you guys are in the middle, and it's a beautiful season of life for you. Some of you are towards the end of the journey, and you're weary, and you're tired. Listen, we only end this journey when we are with Jesus. And so it's going to be long for us. And, and the first song on the, on the track list, on the playlist, for the road music, no, the song number one on the album is Psalm 120 which is not a song that we would choose to start out a road trip, right? Um, Because this psalm is a psalm of, I'm going to have to say it, okay? It's a dirty word in 2019, all right? A psalm of repentance. 
Oof, it's tough. It stings a little, right? Now, you know, you're like, oh, this is Old Testament. You're right, Old Testament prophets. If I could tweet out every Old Testament prophet sermon in one word, it would be this. Repent, right? Repent. And I know what some of you are saying. Yeah, but man, what about Jesus and the New Testament brother were under grace? Grace. Okay, cool. Anybody know? I'm so glad you asked. Does anybody know the first word of the first sermon that Jesus ever preached? Repent, right? Jesus hits the scene and he goes, I'm here, repent. And you're like, well, that was pre-cross. You see, after the resurrection, we... Oh, okay, cool, that's awesome. Glad you asked again. Because in Revelation, he writes to the seven churches. And to every one of the churches, he says, I love you. I see you. Repent. You see, repentance is the Christian life. It's not a one-time thing. It's not a place we visit. It's a place we live in. And we see this. I learned this this week and was blown away. When you look at a map of the journey of the Psalm of Ascents, okay, I know many of you guys are like type A. You're like, when do we ever get to use the maps in our Bibles? Here we go. Okay, right, this is great. So when you start out, if you lived up in the northern part in Nazareth, which is where Jesus was from, what you would do is you would go over to the Sea of Galilee, but then you would follow the River Jordan down. So back then when you were traveling in ancient paths, you had to travel along a waterway, right? Because there wasn't like bottled water back then or anything like that, okay? So you had to travel along a waterway, but here's what's interesting. You would take the journey and then you would end up at the Sea of Galilee. Do you know anything about the Sea of Galilee? other than you float when you're in it, right? Well, this is cool. It's the lowest point on the entire earth. Geographically, you don't get any lower than you do at the Dead Sea. It's dead. It's filled with salt water. And it also doesn't let water go out. So it just hoards everything. It's dead. Then they would turn and ascend upwards to Jerusalem. Listen, I could preach an entire sermon on that map. Because the first step in our journey with God is not directly to the mountaintop. I hear all the time from people, man, I surrender my life to Christ, and things are kind of more difficult than they were before I did that. What is going on? This is so hard. This is difficult. What is happening in my life? Because we think that, oh, it's all sunshine and rainbows, and now everything's up. But in this physical journey, we see a spiritual truth. Listen, in the journey of repentance, what we are doing is we are turning from sin and turning to our Savior. We're turning to God. And listen, repentance has been taught wrong. That's why it's like a dirty word in church now. Because a majority of us grew up with repentance being taught as bad, 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 wrong, 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 sin, sin, sin. Don't do that. Don't drink, cuss, or chew, or go with girls that do, or do any of that stuff, or watch rated R movies, unless it's the Passion of the Christ, or do anything else like that. Just bad. Everything's bad. Right? If you're not listening to K-Love, bad. Right? It's all bad. That's a half-truth. That's not the full understanding of repentance. And here's where people find themselves. Constantly turning from. Constantly turning from. Constantly turning from. And then it's this sin, confess, repeat. Sin, confess, repeat. And it's this vicious merry-go-round. And I'm always trying to turn. And I'm always trying to correct. Because that's half of it. 
We don't just turn from something. We turn to someone. You see, our delight is is that we found something better. That's the good news of the gospel, is that Jesus is better than the way of life that you think is best for you. And what you do is you turn from that idea. Listen, you let all of your dreams die. Welcome to Westside. Glad you're here, man. And you lay those dreams down And then with resurrection power, you turn to Christ who gives you more than you could ever ask or think. That, my friends, that is repentance. And it's interesting that this first song on the playlist is almost sort of of despair. It's of repentance. And so what does this life look like? What does it look like to to turn from... But not just that, but turn to. What's the joy of turning to Jesus? I think it looks like this. I think it looks like discontentment. I think it looks like deliverance. And then I think it looks like a direction. And you'll see all of this in Psalm 120. The first one is this. Discontentment. Look at how the psalm opens up. In my distress, I called to the Lord. And what did the Lord do? Did he hit the decline button? God doesn't hit the red button. He hits the green button. Look at your Bible. Say it out loud. What, what, what does God do? He answered me, right? Have you ever called someone and you're like, this is never going to happen? Hello, right? You're like amazed that the call happened, right? So the, the psalmist is, is in distress. And then verse 2, deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. But drop down. I want you to see verse 5. Woe to me that I sojourn in Messick. And I dwell among the tents of Kedar. And then verse 6, here it is. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. You know what he's saying? The author of this psalm is saying, I don't want to be here anymore. Why are you in distress? Because I'm not where I'm supposed to be. When when the Bible gives you a geographic location, when it mentions a specific place, it's very important. You can underline that in your neighbor's Bible if they're falling asleep already, okay? It's important to understand. These two locations were about as far away from Jerusalem, which is where you were supposed to meet with God. It's where God's Spirit dwelt in the tabernacle. It was as far away as you could get with still being in the promised land. And the psalmist says... How did I end up here? How did I drift here? I don't want to be here anymore. But it's interesting. Why did he call to the Lord? Because I think a modern 2019 translation would say, In my distress, I posted on Facebook. In my distress, I called those people that would tell me what I want to hear. In my distress, I called to the Lord. Why? Because he answered me? Listen, don't miss this. The psalmist becomes discontent with where they're at. And the confession comes, but the confession is predicated upon knowing God will answer. 
that God always picks up the phone. And so the psalmist says, why am I here? This isn't good. I'm going to call upon the Lord whom I know is good, whom I know will answer me. I'm going that place. I'm not staying here. I'm going there. And listen, this is massive for us to understand when it comes to repentance and when it comes to confession. Our confession and our confession of our wickedness is predicated upon the goodness of God. And so Paul would say this in the book of Romans, Or do you not presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience? You know, that that is a heavy verse. Do you know what he's saying? You think God is patient with you because he doesn't care or he's ignorant. God being patient with you is a sign of his grace. That time, which by the way, you do not control... God has given to you. And every second and every breath should be so humbling that it should make us turn to God. But what happened in the garden is rather than going to God, we ran from God. And humanity has been running ever since. And then Paul says this, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. Paul is saying this, it is the goodness and kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Listen, it is not our repentance that leads to God's kindness. Oh my goodness, understanding the difference in that is understanding the difference in Christianity. Because you go to God in your repentance, God doesn't go, ha, been waiting on you. How's that been going for you? Didn't work out too well, did it? No. It is when we come to our senses and see the goodness and realize, why am I here in my marriage? Fifty Shades of Grey lied to me, man. All of this, why am I here? Over there is so much better. And God is there. And it's good over there because God is good. So I'm reminded of God's goodness. So I will leave where I am and go to where God is at. And we don't see this any more blatant than from the lips of our Savior when he tells the parable of the prodigal son. Jesus says, there was one father and there were two sons, both of them rebellious. The one son goes to the father and says, you know what? You could drop dead. I don't really care about the family. I don't really care about any of this. I care about my inheritance. So I'm out. I'm chunking deuces, and I'm going to live the way that I want to live. I don't want to live this way in this house. I'm gone. And the father gives him his inheritance. Did you know one of the greatest signs of God's judgment is that he gives you what you're chasing? You think the grass is greener on the other side of your marriage? Try it. And watch the wake of devastation that follows. When God removes his hand is the greatest sign of his judgment. And so the father says, if you want that, then there you go. And the son squanders it on everything. I mean, it's like a weekend with Mike Tyson and Charlie Sheen. He squanders everything. And he's in a pig pen. And in Luke chapter 15, Jesus says these words. When he came to his senses, he said... How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. 
I will set out and I'll go back to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. And we see that when he approaches, his father runs out. He sees him coming from afar, almost as if he had been on the porch every day, going back and forth. Where's my son? Where's my son? And when he sees his son come up over the hill, he runs. And back in the ancient day, you didn't run. It was a sign of disgrace. And so he disgraces himself, runs to his son, and does not say, I told you so. But he says, I love you so. And he gets the most expensive clothes in the ring and he throws a feast. And Jesus says, God's like that. God's like that. God is chasing and pursuing all of those who have rebelled and all of those who have run away. And listen, parents, please listen to this. Your last words to a rebellious child are the first words they recall when they think about returning home. And so when God, when when the Son comes to understand, it's better over there. It's better at my Father's house. He comes to an understanding of being discontent where He's at. Why am I here? And it's being satisfied with the beauty of who God is. But even when I say being satisfied, you hear that and you know that to be true, but it's not true. Because satisfaction with Jesus only starts with being unsatisfied or discontent with the world that you've tried to create. And here's what's hard. You've tried so hard to create it. So much time, sometimes so many lies, so many masks, so much everything, and, you've, and you can't let that go. But the first step in the journey is to step away from what we know and going in the direction where God is at. It starts with discontentment and he confesses it. And then it goes to deliverance. Not like the movie. But it look, look in verse 2. Deliver me, O Lord. Well, from what? You call to the Lord and you're distressed. You don't want to be there. You want to be delivered. But what do you want to be delivered from? Glad you asked. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. What? It's so interesting. Why, Why would the psalmist say that after now being discontent with where they are? Maybe this will help. Do you remember the movie with Jim Carrey called The Truman Show? Don't get all holier thinking you haven't watched that movie, all right? It's a good movie, okay, right? And I'm, spoiler alert, okay, the movie's been out for like 20 years, okay? So sorry if I'm about to ruin this for you, okay? But the, the whole movie's predicated upon like this crazy idea of the ultimate reality show. And so from like Jim Carrey's birth, his character, a camera has been on him. And the whole world that he lives in is a show. It's fake. And everybody knows it's fake but Jim Carrey. And then finally, he starts figuring things out, like, who are you talking to, right? I just want a cup of coffee. What's going on? And then when he comes to the realization, what does his character do? He leaves the set. He leaves everything he's ever known. 
And he says, I could stay here and it'll be safe and I could still kind of pretend. He realized that the world that he was living in was a lie. It's the same thing that the psalmist is saying. I'm discontent with where I'm at and I've come to this realization that everything that's been promised to me has been a lie. That's how it all started in Genesis 3. Did God really say that's the best way? Surely, surely God's holding out on you. And that way, God's way is no fun and not a good time. Go around God. That's the best way. And devastation has followed ever since. And then the psalmist says this. Did you notice? Verse 4. A warrior's sharp arrows is what these lies are like within this. With glowing coals of the broom tree. Okay, so, so we know... What a broom tree is. It's an ancient shrub, right? Elijah in the Old Testament got super depressed after calling down fire from heaven and was like, I want to die. And so he went under a broom tree. What's interesting about the broom tree is if you live in that region, you you cut it and you dig it up and you burn the roots. The, The roots make for a really good barbecue because the coals burn really hot for a really long time. Even after they don't look like that they're hot, people can still get burned. And the psalmist is saying, lies are like that. After the lies already been told, maybe after confessions already happened, there's still a devastating effect. It's still hot. And in the world that we live in in 2019, you are lied to every second of every day. And let's be honest. Can we just be honest? God forbid we be honest in church, right? Nobody lies to you more than you do. Because it's okay. No, it's not. It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. Uh, it's not that big a deal. No, no, it is. I'm going to read a quote from Eugene Peterson, and it's going to hurt, and you're going to be mad, but here we go. We have been told the lie ever since we can remember That human beings are basically nice and good. Everyone is born equal and innocent and self-sufficient. The world is a pleasant, harmless place. We are born free. And if we are in chains now, it is someone else's fault. And we can correct it with just a little more intelligence, a little more effort, and a little more time. That is crushing people. Because if I told you you're fine just the way you are, and you go home and you lay your head down on the pillow at night, and you start going to those places in your mind and to the depths of your heart, and then you recall that cheesy phrase, you're just the fine the way you are, then you realize, this is all I have then. It's actually a very damning statement to say that. But the good news of the gospel is God's love is not predicated upon how whole you are. God only loves broken people. That's it. If you've got it all together, this place ain't for you. Jesus is not for you. God's love is contingent upon broken people, but He makes them whole. 
Jesus finds you where you're at, but He does not leave you there. He moves you and He's molding and shaping and conforming us, as Paul says, to the image of Jesus Christ. So it's this idea that we're being delivered from the world of lies that we have believed and that we have created. And that's painful. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Repentance hurts. But listen to me. Repentance is far less painful than the residual consequences of sin. It will hurt desperately for you to turn around. It will cost you far more to continue going. Far more. We become discontent. I don't want to be here. God's goodness. That's what draws me. Then God, in His mercy, delivers us from the very world that we ourselves have created. I mean, talk about grace, man. That's incredible that He enters into the brokenness. Then, it's a new direction. Because now, remember, the physical journey is a representation of the spiritual journey with Christ. And you're going lower and lower and lower. And just when you think God's got you low enough, you go lower. And you're like, oh. Then you turn and you see Jerusalem. You start to ascend. It's a new direction. Look at what the psalmist says in verse 7. I am for peace, but when I speak, they're for war. That's a life verse. That's a verse to be a Christian in 2019. Do you notice in his voice, he's almost saying, I I ascribe to live this way. But the world that I'm in works the opposite way. I'm for peace. Everything's for destruction and war. Question. Do you live differently than non-believers? People at your work? Is your marriage different than an unbelieving marriage? Because all when I see in the scriptures is this groaning and this longing of this is not my home. And everything should be different, but this is where I'm at. And so repentance, listen, the next time that you see this road sign, I want you to forever, for it to be just burned on your heart and slide into your DMs. When you see a U-turn sign, I want you to think repentance. I was going this way. But the goodness of God leads me now this way. I was going from him. Now I'm going to him. I was pursuing my sin and my sinful lifestyle. And I've laid that down. And I'm going to stumble forward. Oh man, it is not beautiful. And it's not pretty. And the butter has slid off our biscuits, right? It's a struggle. The struggle is real. But I'm not going that way anymore. And it's a long and it's a slow journey and it's a process. When we turn from our sin, when we turn to our Savior. One of the things that we want to do as I close is this, is we want to give you some real application. And many of you are asking, Jason, how do I do this? How do I, this is all, you're like, you're doing everything but saying my name. Which, by the way, that's the power of God's word. 
The messenger is nothing. The message is everything. How do I do this? What do I need? This is it. I need to do the turn. Here's what's so great about what God demands from us. He also provides for us. Did you know that? And for us, that's what baptism is. We stand in that watery grave. And we say, I was headed this direction. Everything I wanted was there. And I came to my senses about the goodness and kindness of God. And you get buried in that watery grave as the symbolism of Jesus Christ who was buried, died. And then three days later through resurrection power, you come out. That is the U-turn. It's swapping jerseys. I'm not on that team anymore. I'm on this team. So when you leave here today, if, if you've never done that in your life, I, man, I just think that that's it. That's a big deal for you. You'll be able to sign up. We have a class. We'll answer all your questions. It, listen, make it happen. But for the rest of us, what we want to do in this series is anytime you take a long road trip, your kids kind of do the would you rather or you just have questions. We want to give you questions for the road. During this summer journey and this summer playlist and this pilgrimage that we're entering into, we want to give you some application questions. The first one is this. Where do you find your satisfaction? Here's a better way to find the answer to that. What do you daydream about? What do you think about when your mind is able to go free? Because that is your heart's desire. That's your treasure. What do you run to when you get stressed? When things start crumbling, what do you do? Where do you go? That's where you find satisfaction. And listen to me. If that name tag has made in this world on it, you got a time limit. The second question is this. What lies are you currently battling? Your marriage is difficult right now, right? You know who are struggling in their marriage. They have a word for it. It's called married, right? And you think, man, if I hit the eject on this, and if I go around the corner and the grass is greener on the other side, the grass is greenest where you water it. So the lies are coming like fiery arrows and darts. The decisions to make, and they're creeping in, and it's starting to be loud. But the last question is this. What action do you need to take? Because in the Psalm of Ascent, do you know how the entire journey starts? The entire journey. The long, arduous journey. With one step. Then another step then another step. Then you fall down, then you get up, and it's another step. What action do you need to take? In your insert, in your bulletin, you have Psalm 51. And what we will do to mimic what the psalmist has said, that in our distress, we call upon the Lord. I want you to stand to your feet, Westside, and we will read these 12 verses out loud together. We will confess these words, and we know through the proclamation of God's word that he will hear us. Psalm 51, lift your voice out loud. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, 
And you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness, and let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Heavenly Father, we come before you today knowing that you are a loving Father, pursuing and chasing wandering children. And we know today, Psalm 120, verse 1, In my distress, I called upon the Lord, and He answered me. You always pick up when your kids call. And God, today I pray for those individuals who are in distress, and there's all kinds of fear. We spent so much time building this life. And Holy Spirit, I just pray through a nudge and through conviction and through your power that the first step in the U-turn. God, I pray that all of us would be reminded of your goodness and your kindness in this journey. It's like a drift, God. We don't... God, we don't plan to just wake up one day and be so far from You. It's happened days, weeks, months, years, and our love for You has grown cold. May You fan into flame the spark that You set in our hearts and minds. Holy Spirit, have Your way with us. We pray this all in the holy, and in the precious, and in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ.